Hola, amigos, and welcome to the Add to Houston Admigos podcast, a podcast for young professionals in the marketing and advertising industry who are learning to navigate their early careers. I am Guido Falconi, immediate past president of Add to Houston, joined today by my co-host. Hi, this is Jacob Dantone, the current audio chair of Add to Houston and, and producer of this fine program. Yes, Jacob is pulling double duty today as yes. producer and... Um, and co-host. Today we have a very special guest with us, Beth Ebersole, CEO of the Palmer Drug Abuse Program. Beth, thank you for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yes, we are very excited. The Palmer Drug Abuse Program, also known as PDAB, is this year's Out to Houston public service client. Every year, Out to Houston chooses a worthy nonprofit in the city, and we produce a full integrated campaign at no cost to the client. This year we were connected with PDAP. We learned a little bit about what they do and we just knew we had to work with them. So again, Beth, thank you for joining us. This is very exciting. Uh, we've been looking forward to doing this for a while. But you know, before we, uh, we really start, can you tell us a little bit about what the Palmer Drug Abuse Program is, what you guys do? Sure, yeah. So Palmer Drug Abuse Program, lovingly called PDAP, so you'll hear me call it PDAP. Um, <laughs> has been around for over 50 years now. Wow. What we do is focus on the positive, the power of positive peer influence in helping teens and young adults and their families recover or avoid the devastating effects of substance use disorders. And we do that through keeping connection, acceptance, hope, and sober fun a central part of all of our programs. So we have programs for teens who are 14 to 18 and young adults 18 to 25. And then we have a family program that runs concurrent to both of those. Okay. Our programs are what you would think of as an after-school program, but from a therapeutic perspective. Oh. And so um, we focus on mental health and substance use and you know, the typical stressors that you might be going through as a teen. Right. And we do ha offer the program during the after school hours. So or, or what you might call out of school time, hmm. because it's also on the weekends. So oh. we have fun, sober social activities every single weekend on Fridays and Saturdays. And then on Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, rather, it's from four to eight or so where they're able to hang out with their peers after school, do homework, receive um, recovery coaching on an individual and group basis, and then they attend meetings that are similar to 12-step meetings. Oh, wow. Okay. That's actually, that's really cool. So you guys, you reach out to these teens slash young adults, and you give them an alternative to many of the things that can happen, right? We've all been teenagers at one point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we know what the... Uh, the temptation side, right? Yes. Right. And when you are 18, you really don't really, you really don't understand the world. Mm -hmm. So it's great what you guys are doing. Um, how do you become connected with PADAP? Uh, how do you get to where you are now? So I originally learned of PADAP when I was working at my first job postgraduate school. I was working at the front desk at a recovery center here in Houston. And I saw these teens come down and they were all cool and very alternative and just having like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, what is going on? This seems like something really cool to be a part of. And I found out that it was PADAP and 
little did I know about five years later, I would become the CEO there. And wow. that's um, amazing. I just really love it so much being a part of the program. Yeah. I mean, the, the program, what you guys do, like I said, is, is very important. Uh, as someone who has seen people have to deal with uh, this type of issues before, yes. right? My, my siblings, myself at one point, I know how hard it can be to kind of get away from that. Yes. Uh, and, you know, we didn't know that this pro type of programs existed at the time, right? Uh, but we also we went in Houston, so that wouldn't have helped. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, it's very important that, well, we have more of these programs, but also that people know about them, right? We want to help uh, children and because they're the future of the community. So we're very, that's another one of the reasons why we wanted to work with you guys. It's just what you do is just so amazing. So I, I know you mentioned you guys do fun, sober activities on the weekend. Can you go into detail about what some of those activities are? Like, what's the itinerary for your weekend activities? Yes. So a lot of our activities are peer-led. So every month the peers get together and they get to pick out what they want to do. So if it's paintball or it's oh, going to the no. museum or it's going to the zoo or right. just a hangout watching movies and having pizza, they get to really choose the full gamut of what might be offered to them in Houston that's safe and sober. And we, we know this, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but these programs, uh, they are charge-free, right? Yes. To the, the participants. Yes. So anyone who is dealing with substance use and mental health issues in their family as a teen or young adult, they're able to come to our program free of cost, no questions asked. It's really important to us because having a viable and therapeutic after-school program is almost impossible to find. And right. then we know that cost is the number one barrier to recovery. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're able to reduce that barrier or eliminate that barrier so that the entry into a safe um, and sober recovery is possible for all. That's awesome. That is, that is amazing. So, you know, you guys have helped a lot of people, a lot of children, uh, obviously, Pedajo has been around for, you said, 50 years, right? So do you have any stories that you can share with us? And I understand that this is kind of a touchy subject. Uh, do you have any success stories that you can share with us that we, kinda, we can kind of highlight uh, what it is that you guys, or how it is that you guys operate? Yeah, I have two stories that come to mind that really highlight the mission and put it into action. The first story is about a young man who came to us very hopeless and desperate, struggling with not just addiction, but suicidality. Oh, wow. And wow. he was at a point where he was feeling very down. And there was one evening where we had our typical kind of meeting. And in the meeting, you share kind of your experience and your strength yeah. and your hope. And then at the end of the meeting, you might share if you have something more difficult that you need to get off your chest or something that's imminently bothering you. And this young man shared that he was feeling suicidal that night. So the way we do things at PADAP is that if someone is feeling so, the counselors, of course, talk to them and assess yeah. the risks and we're able to get additional support if needed and further and or, you know, I'm involved in those kinds of conversations as well. Well, this particular night, which is not unlike any other night, <laughs> I get a call from my program manager 
at the time, and he says, well, I'm waiting in line to talk to him. And there were probably 30 kids surrounding this kid. Wow. And they were all talking to him about what was going on with him, what, how he was feeling, and sharing their own kind of positive feelings and hopefulness with him to get him through the moment. By the time we were able to talk to him, (laughs) (laughs) which was like 30 minutes, he was feeling much more stabilized and much more hopeful and like he could continue on. And that's just one of the ways in which PADAP is able to use the power of positive influence and like kind of pay it forward. Right. That's really incredible. Yeah. That's uh, that's an amazing story. The next story that I want to tell you is kind of highlights the other part of another influential factor in recovery, which is that of family programming. Oh, okay. yes. You did mention that. Yes, yeah. Family so program. peers and parents are kind of like the two top two most influential factors in recovery and mm-hmm. potential relapse or yeah. coming back from a relapse. And sense. so we have every month what we call milestone birthdays, and we celebrate the milestones of recovery with the okay. kiddos and their families. And this particular night, a parent was telling us about his story, and I'm free to share this story. So this parent found out that his his son was using after a call from the police. Oh, his wow. son had been arrested. Wow. And so as a parent, you can imagine how devastating and scary, just terrifying that is, to find out that your child has been in difficult situation and been in a place where they weren't able to find another outlet. Throughout their recovery journey, this particular teen was celebrating his three years of sobriety with us in PADAP. And his parent was able to share that in your mind's eye as a parent, you see your child as your baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're at that place of hopelessness and crisis and wondering where to turn, they were able to turn to PADAP and the parent program and hear from other parents and other teens how to get through and navigate such difficult situations. And this teen went on to be valedictorian of their high school. And it's not uncommon for teens and families to find this type of recovery at PADAP because they're so positively influenced by each other. That's amazing. Yeah, it really does show the power of like you said positive peer like support yes uh, i had a friend who unfortunately took his life last year mm. uh, and you know we don't live in the same state we don't talk all that often right mm-hmm. so there was no way for us to kind of know and say mm-hmm. something to him right uh but it it brings me joy to know that you guys are helping other people who felt like he did at that point and that yes. you guys are and it's not just I mean, it's you, obviously, but the people that who you are helping are also helping their, their other people in recovery, right? That's an amazing uh, network of support to have that when you're dealing with this type of situations, I can only imagine just how crucial that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you said the program has been around for 50 years? Yeah, a little over 50 years. Okay. Um, can you, I know you've only been CEO, I think you said five years, yes. correct? Okay. Is, can you tell us a little bit more about the history of PADAP? Like, yes. Do you know how they got started or, oh, great, we would love to hear it. 
Yeah. So the inception of PADAP was at Palmer Memorial Episcopal Church, okay. and which is one of our current locations. And it's in the Med Center. It started out and was founded by Father Charlie Wyatt Brown. He saw that there were teens who needed a safe place to recover because many of the recovery programs at that time were for adults and mm-hmm, adults sure. only and not yeah. you're not able to relate in the same ways with the same difficulties and right. dynamics as maybe a teen might have right they have yeah. all kinds of hormones <laughs> yes all goodness, changes yes. so many changes <laughs> and so many things that are always kind of coming up that are new for teens to face and so it started out with a group of 6 And then what they noticed is the parents were kind of sticking around and having coffee and waiting for their teens to get out of their meeting. But the parents were realizing they were going through the same struggles. Mm -hmm. So that was born for the parents. And then it kind of grew out of that. PADAP became nationwide. So there are locations in other areas. And it became like a big movement as a way to uh, have an alternative peer group to be a part of. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah, that it makes a lot of sense, right? Like you said, the people in different stages of life, uh, they might be dealing with the same problem, but or with the same addiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're not dealing with the same day-to-day problems, right? Right. <laughs> when you're 15, you're not worried about paying your mortgage. Right. Right. And when you're 40, you're not worried about like what some girl in class said about you. Right. Or you shouldn't be anyway. So. <laughs> Hopefully. <not. laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's also a point. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about a bit of what you guys do, who, how you help. But, you know, we live in a very connected and at the same time disconnected society, right? Everybody knows everybody through social media. That doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's talking to everybody or everybody actually knows everyone, right? So have you guys seen that the rise in social media has affected the rates of drug use? And do you feel as though social media can influence some people into maybe, be, you know, into actually using drugs and, you know, narcotics or whatever it is? I think that it's there's still a lot of research that needs to be done in terms of how it might directly affect. But what we do know is that social media has a huge impact on self-image, rates of depression, rates of anxiety, and thus can also influence students to have maybe a co-occurring substance use disorder. Mm -hmm. I know that drugs are more readily talked about on these platforms now, and kids are much it's much more accessible for them to find the information. That can work two ways, right? It can be either a negative influence and them wanting to try something that might be dangerous for them, or it can be an influence that says, hey, this doesn't work in helping you achieve your goals in the long run and can lead to down a road of potential addiction. Yeah, uh, that's very interesting because we have seen over the past 10 years kind of the the result of unbridled social media, right? And that's not a discussion that we can really get into. Uh, but it does make sense to me that, uh, like you said, there's just so much information, but it's not just good information, right? Mm-hmm. It's You might even find who to buy drugs from mm-hmm. to social media, which is nuts, mm-hmm. uh, but it is true. And, you know, doom scrolling is a thing now that's apparently in the dictionary. So there's just so many outlets now to you know, just uh, independent of drugs, like feel depressed or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would be very interesting to see once you guys get some more information about kind of what, what you guys find or what the studies find. Like, 
I know I avoid social media for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, yeah. a big part of my work is my job is on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use social media for that right. reason. Well, I mean, I know that you can definitely find yourself down some rabbit holes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. The algorithms just kind of yeah. align certain ways my certain times. It's a mess. So you, you <laughs> yes. do definitely have to be careful whenever you're... Uh, I guess looking or scrolling really yeah, yeah. scrolling <laughs> you do and our brains and especially as a teen are not ready for all the information no. and possibilities that can be thrown at you right and then Absolutely, what it means yeah. and how it feels in the moment to deal with it or even cope with it or contextualize it right you know I think yeah. I believe it was last week when we were here last week I think Guido had mentioned that you know addiction comes in all forms and mm-hmm. you know even yeah, media yeah, and social media can be a sort of addiction because you're just getting blasted with content and information yeah. and just like new things I mean even myself I find myself checking Facebook Instagram Reddit just not even really Absolutely, scrolling yeah. but just the habit of like opening it up and looking to see what's new mm-hmm. and then you know just constantly <laughs> yeah it is and it's set up to be kind of like gamified so right. that the brain gets those hits of dopamine yeah. right that it wouldn't traditionally be getting but getting them more frequently and it's at the click of a button yeah 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 and we know we have heard you know that social media outlets like facebook and instagram uh, mostly facebook aims to to connect you to content that makes you upset I mean, Facebook had a patent for a technology that would let them know how hard you pressed on your phone. Mm-hmm. Really? And based on that, I don't know if they got it. I know they were filing like five years ago. And based on that, they will figure out what content to push to you. So like if you were upset, they will push content that was more upsetting to you. Uh, I'm just glad that we didn't have social media when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I am very, very gullible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would be a problem. Yeah, I think um, I had it at the tail end of mm-hmm. like high oh, school. You're young, so right? it was yeah. just starting with like Facebook was barely what it is now. Yeah, we have MySpace. <laughs> right. We were still using Farmland. Oh my god. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> MySpace came out when I was like mm-hmm. 17 or something. I'm a normal person. Uh, <laughs> so Beth, what led you to your decision to follow a career in social work? Cuz clearly uh you know, you've done a lot of great stuff with other programs as well. So what what was it that led you to say, hey, I want to become a counselor. Hey, I want to work in a nonprofit, uh, in the nonprofit sector, you know, do social work. Yeah, that's a great question. So we go way back to when Beth was a teenager and I was one of those alternative kids that needed some support. (laughs) And I found some support through peer relationships, but also through counseling. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to pay it forward in that right. way. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that led to my decision to go into psychology. And what I always say, you know, I didn't choose social work. Social work chose me. <laughs> so I had an internship with the social work college at my university and found that that's where my heart really was. The the goals of empowerment, social yeah. justice, wow. and really being able to help people change their lives was so important to me. Uh, that's, just, that's an amazing story. I went into marketing and advertising because I watched Mad Men. Nice. So, <laughs> I don't really have a good story. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's great that, you know, you were, like you said, one of the people who kind of needed support. And, mm-hmm. and that led you to say, hey, there's all the people like me. Yes. And I should help them. Yes. So, no, that's that, that's amazing because I 
don't know how many people really do that. And I'm also a big believer that everyone should go to counseling. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like maybe once every six months just to <laughs> like check in. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. Uh, that's just awesome. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. Yeah, I think people traditionally think of counseling or therapy as something that you do when you have to, like yeah. it's a last ditch effort because right. there's something very difficult going on in your life. Yeah. But therapy can also be a way just to have support and yeah. support you in your goals and whatever those might be. Right. Sometimes you just need to talk things out with somebody. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and it can be awkward a, to talk to like a friend or a partner. Right. Especially if they're not necessarily trained. Right. To respond to you. Right? So that mutual party is a good. Yeah, you know, it's an outside. Yeah, they're yeah. objective, <laughs> kind of able to give yeah. you an outside perspective. They're, yes, they're also there's no attachment, so they can just tell yeah. you what they think or how you know. You know they're trained yeah. for that. They're trained to to see things objectively, right? That too. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good person to vent to. So, as we stated before, you're now the CEO of Padap. Mm-hmm. In the past, you worked as a counselor. What what led you to make the decision to go to become the CEO? What what was your journey? So I have always been very passionate about leadership and found my way in different roles to be able to think about organizational development, systems development. So that's kind of how my career started with a desire to be able to eventually lead an organization and have more of an impact and influence those who are directly influencing mm-hmm. the client. Uh, so that was your your role or I guess your goal from the beginning is like mm-hmm. because you, I guess you have more direct impact mm-hmm. on how the program works when you're doing that so that's, that's great mm-hmm. that clearly shows that you care about how these children young people are treated right and how how you guys are helping them um so again that's awesome yes so you know you've been doing this for a while now um you are from Virginia yay Mm-hmm. And you went to the University of Houston. Yes, go Cougs! Go Cougs! Um, so you've been in the in the industry for some time now, uh, and there's you know there's young people out there who are interested in social work. You know, maybe they're studying, maybe they just graduated. So, what advice do you have for them? You know, how how do you get started? Where to look? What to look for? I guess, uh, and you know what what to expect in a, in a sense also. Yeah. So I think if you're a young person interested in social work or any other type of counseling, I would say volunteer first. Find a mission that is something you're passionate about or even just interested in and volunteer and kind of get some direct experience with those that you really want to help and see how you're able to make that impact. I like to think that once you're trying things out, the right thing will come to you. That's a, that's a that's that's powerful right, statement. Yeah. <laughs> how how can people get involved in PADAP? I guess Speaking as volunteers or counselors, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, what what's the steps to get involved with you guys? So we have a few different ways to get involved with PADAP. One is volunteering. People are able to come and share their story, their experience, their strength and hope with the children of Houston and the parents of Houston and or volunteer at one of our events. We have not just sober social events, but we also have fundraising events throughout the year. And people are able to come and help put those on with us. Another way to get involved that is a direct impact as well is being a donor. And that is 
reducing the number one barrier to entry for recovery for these kiddos is being able to give back through donations. If we wanted to find out what events you were having or where they were, where would we go to find those? Yeah, so you can look on our website, www.padaphouston.org, and we have all of our information up there about what the current events are, upcoming events, how to volunteer, and who to contact. Great. And that is uh, pdaphouston.com. Yes, yes, thank you. No, just it's it's always a good idea to... (laughs) To spell it out, yes. Wait, is it .com or .org? .org. .org. Okay, let's let's go back to that. (laughs) No, we'll just leave that in. I'll, I'll leave it in. It's yeah, fine. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> we'll be like in the, just to this, confirm. This will be the bloopers later. Yeah. <laughs> well, Beth, we're kind of getting to the end of our interview. So what is your vision for PEDAP as we move into 2023 and maybe also into you know, 2024 and, you know, on and so on? Beyond, yes. So our vision for PEDAP is to continue to grow our family program and yeah. to reach more families and to reach more zip codes in Houston. So last year we reached over 76 different zip codes in the Houston area. And we helped over 800 individual teens, young adults, and families in the area. So we just want to keep going. Right. Just keep expanding. Keep expanding. That's amazing. It's also amazing that there are 76 different zip codes in Houston. And that's not even all of them. And that's not even all of them, right? It's like most of Houston. It is. It's a stupidly big city. So obviously, you know, uh, we are in Houston, but we also have listeners in other cities. Uh, What other cities does PEDAP exist in and, you know, how how can they get involved? Is that like a national website that they can go to? So each PEDAP is individually run. Oh, wow. And operate it as a, their own nonprofit. But there are some in McAllen, in New mm. Mexico, in Oklahoma. Oh, and cool. I think no matter what city you're in, you can look for an alternative peer group. So yeah. since we were the original alternative peer group, this model has been replicated across the nation, nationwide. Mm-hmm. So what people should look for is that, an alternative peer group. Okay. okay. That's awesome. Yeah, make sure you guys look for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so that's really all the questions that I that we have for you. We are very, like I said, very happy that you're here uh, and that we're working with you. Um, again, I, I say this at the top, but this is, a, and I've said it through the, through the episode, this is a mission that really hits me. Uh, one of the reasons why I kind of pushed a little bit for this one. Uh, I've seen my siblings deal with uh, substance abuse. I've dealt with substance abuse myself. So I know how difficult it can be to get out of it. And it just makes me so happy to know that there are programs like PEDAP that can help these young people, right? Because, again, when you're young, you're stupid. Um, <laughs> you just don't know. Your brain's not fully developed. As an older person, I know how, I know what things are bad for me, and I know to avoid them. As a young kid, I thought I was being cool, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, again, we're so happy. And, you know, thank you for joining us today. Um, we hope that our listeners get something from this. We hope that they can... Uh, if nothing else, they can look you guys up, volunteer, donate. I mean, if nothing else, donate. You don't mm-hmm. have to do anything else. If you if you do it on your phone, it probably has your credit card saved already. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to make it easier for you. Uh, and if you know anyone who could benefit from this, please look up. Look up it up. Look up alternate. Uh, what was it again? Alternative peer groups. Alternative peer group. That's, uh, you know, and get them that help. And they might not like it at first, but they're going to thank you in the future. You're exactly right. They might right. not like it at first, but <laughs> they will. Yes. Of course. 
Yeah. So yeah, you have anything else that you uh, from Bidab? You have any events coming up? Any really anything? Any volunteer opportunities? Yeah, so we do have an event coming up this spring. It's going to be in May, on May 6th, and it's called the Padash. Okay. It's a oh, fun run. It's cute. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Little play on words there. And all of the fundraising that goes to that from that goes to the sober social activities that okay. teens are able to enjoy throughout the year. And is there a specific page for that or just go to Padap Houston? Go to, you can go to Padap Houston and then select events and you'll be able to see it there. All right. And I, uh, in online, I mean, sorry, on social media, I assume you, are you guys, uh, where can people find you on social media? We can be found on Instagram yeah. and Facebook. Awesome. Yeah. Make sure look at Padap Houston. Hey, yeah. come to the event in the spring. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Jacob are going to be running it too. Yes. <laughs> Bring your friends. Yeah. Jacob didn't family. know he was going until right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. You better, you better start training. <laughs> I might miss a three, 3K or something, right? Yes. Oh, we can do that. That's, yeah, that's, that's so easy. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, once again, Beth, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, again, we hope that people, you know, can get more involved with PEDAP. And again, we're very excited to keep working with you guys on this public service campaign. We're so delighted to be working with you as well and just so grateful for all the time and dedication and support that you're giving us. Well, thank well, you so much. Yeah, thank you, thank Beth. You. It's, been, it's been great. Thanks. Thanks. Hey, before we go, don't forget to check out this year's American Advertising Awards presented by the American Advertising Federation of Houston. The awards celebrate the best of the best in our industry. And when you take home an Addy, much like an Oscar, it is something to celebrate. For more information on the awards and how to register for the gala, go to aaf-houston.net. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you for joining us today. The Add to Houston Amigos podcast is produced at Radio Lounge. Add to Houston is a collaborative collective of young communication professionals aged 32 and under who are looking to make a difference in the industry. If you would like to become an Admigo, join us at, at the number 2 houstoncom You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at, at the number 2 Houston. Thank you for listening.